things and uh, change change it right here at the last moment. <clears throat> as we sit around the table eating today, and as I go to and fro, I I find uh, a world uh, both in Christendom and and in the secular world. You want to shut these off? That's uh, worried about worry. <laughs> you can't worry about anything else, worry about worry. Uh, and we have the Lord very early in his ministry in the Sermon on the Mount addressing this idea of worry, though uh, it's not the exact term worry, it's, it is the exact meaning. And in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, <clears throat> Jesus says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And then he goes on and kind of fleshes that out. <clears throat> but he introduces a conflict here between two forces that are pulling you one way and the other way. And he says, therefore, because you can't be in a situation where you're serving two masters, <clears throat> you can't, when it comes to worry, you can't be in a place where one day you're trusting, the next day you're not trusting. One day you're, everything's doing good, you're all bubbling up, and next day all these what-ifs have come. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat. And he's not saying that we shouldn't think about things, but he's thinking about these thoughts that is worrying. What if? What's, what's going to happen? What's going to turn out? What's it, what if? What if? Take no thought for your life what you shall eat. Don't be worrying about what you're going to eat. Some of us could do that easily for a number of weeks. <clears throat> but what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on, is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. And so he's saying, I created you your, your person, who you are, is more, more important than what you wear. Who you are is more important than what you eat. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them, or you're not much better than they. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature. And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore if God, wherefore if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, 
Shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what we sh shall we drink? Now we know he's not talking about irresponsibility because he points out to us in the Proverbs how the ant is very commendable and it gathers for the winter. So he's not talking about that, but he's talking about worry. Don't be worrying. For after these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this moment and time that we can have together in a nice warm place and among uh, those that are of like mind with us. We thank you, Lord, that your word uh, works in our lives, whether uh, large groups or small groups or individually before you uh, laying on our bed, that uh, we can experience you, that we can know you in your fullness, that we can uh, trust in you. And I pray tonight that this afternoon that that might take place here in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, worry. A little poem was written. Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. A little bit convicting. And the Lord used that specific illustration that the birds understand in their instincts that God has given them that uh, God takes care of them. I think here lately he's been taking care of mostly <laughs> at the feeder at my back window because they've been selling in there pretty fast. But the point is, is that uh, the animal life doesn't seem, as we, we, we can't enter into their minds, but it doesn't seem as though the animals are uh, worrying. They're always scurrying around. They're always looking. They're always busy. They're not worrying. And I want to uh, just briefly talk to you about worry and some of the problems with worry. This wording's probably too small, but this Greek, the word worry, it means anxiety, care, but really it has the idea of pulling apart, a conflict where things are being pulled apart. The, the worry is it, something that divides, and here we have a picture of, of a tug of war, and when we talk about worry, it's pulling our, putting our heart apart, pulling our mind, the, the word that we are at conflict, there's always turmoil and something going on. And that's exactly when we are in a state of worry. There's at least six reasons why we shouldn't worry. And we'll note these briefly. Worry is disobedience. God clearly 
says in his word uh, not to be worrying. Worry is, a, is unbelief. Trust the Lord with all thy heart and lead not to all thy studying, and of him in all thy ways, and he shall direct thy paths. Worry is a form of atheism. Worry can lead to physical problems. Worry is illogical, doesn't make sense. And worry can do you uh, no good. First of all, if you go to Philippians chapter 4, in verse 6, you'll see that the Lord just very straightly commands us not to be worrying. In Philippians, and we'll end up here uh, this afternoon here in Philippians chapter 4, but we have a very straightforward command in verse 6 of Philippians chapter 4. Be careful. Or be anxious for nothing. Don't be worrying is the, is the idea of this verse. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. That, that we are commanded as his children to trust. To trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Well, to worry is to directly disobey what God has asked us to do. Be careful for nothing. Don't be worrying. Yet, we, we worry. It's, a, it's something that I don't think for many of us, I know for myself that a week doesn't go by that I don't have something that my heart is anxious over. But when he says here, be anxious for nothing, I mean, just very straight wording, which he means not one thing. Don't worry about one thing. And so to be in a state of worry is to be living in a state of disobedience. And I need to, I need to come to grips with that personally, that this is not just part of life. This is not just concern. This is not just the way that we live. But this is actually going against the guidance of what God has asked me to do and asked you to do. Don't be worrying. And uh, when we disobey the command of God, it's sin. Secondly, worry is unbelief. Look there in our text that we read in Matthew chapter 6, and when you get down to verse 30, he says, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? O ye of little faith. That when I'm worrying, I'm not trusting. You can't be trusting and worrying at the same time. When I was, uh, when I was, uh, I guess some children do this, but I didn't find myself doing it. When I was a little boy, I didn't worry about anything but getting a spanking. 
That was all. I didn't worry if I was going to get to eat. I didn't worry if I was going to fall out of the tree. Man, the tree's there and I'm there to climb it. There was no worries in my heart. Why was that? Because I had a, a, a godly mother and father and I had complete faith and trust in them. That I had this idea until I got older and understood about being parents, but I had this idea that no, uh, nothing could overcome my father, that there was nothing he couldn't do, that he was going to take care of me, that there was, nothing, there was no problem too big for him that he couldn't handle. He could put my toys back together, or he could tell me, you know, they've lived their life, we need to get rid of them. But, but he, was, he was a solid rock of security for me. And I, and I, you know, I feel sad for children that have uh, numerous parents and, and there's no stability. But the, 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 we, we ought to also feel bad for Christians who don't have stability. That unbelief causes instability. And so worry is really a form of unbelief. Worry is also a form of atheism. The Bible says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And so here I am worrying. I'm uh, having great thoughts of heart. As we saw, how worry has to do with our minds being pulled one way and the other way, that I'm being pulled in all directions, and uh, worry uh, is a form of atheism in the sense of, you, you know, we are visiting with somebody, talking to somebody, and I'm worried about this, I'm worried about this, and I'm worried about this, and I don't know what to do about this, and, you know, it seems like everything's falling in on me, and my car died, and looks like I might get laid off, and, and all these different things that are happening and the response should be in return, when did God die? You're just looking at me. <laughs> but I've been there. And it's a form of atheism. God is not dead. It didn't take him by surprise. And it seems like that over there in Corinthians, there's no temptation or trial taking you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful. That God is not going to allow anything to come into our life that we're not be able to bear it. And so when I begin to worry, it's a testimony to my family, it's a testimony to my co-workers, it's a testimony to the world how big my God is. He's not too big. And so, let us understand, the Lord would have us to make plans like the ant and prepare and, and not be stupid and not be frivolous and, and not, be, uh, not be where we just waste or wasteful. But the Lord would also have us to have this concept where we would pray, give us this day our daily bread. 
that we would actually live in a realm where we live one day at a time. Having our eyes upon him one day at a time. And so we find that as you begin to flesh some of this out, worry is disobedience. Worry is unbelief. Worry is a form of atheism. And though I, I don't have a specific verse for this, worry can lead to physical problems. There was a guy who wrote a book called None of These Diseases, and uh, in that he mentioned worry and how that worry just drains a person. We do know that sin, in Psalms 51, David, when he wouldn't, didn't confess his sin, he said, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. There is a direct correlation between sinful behavior, and we've already laid the foundation that worry is sin, sinful behavior and uh, improper health. And uh, uh, <laughs> I've been given some, uh, I've kind of quit it here lately, but I was given some very... Uh, large amounts of money and advice to, uh, to a doctor to try to help me with my psoriasis. And over and over he says this thing that just irritates me and stresses me out. <laughs> he tells me, stress causes your psoriasis. And my stress level goes way up. <laughs> Worry will affect you physically. And uh, one, of the, one of the orders I have now is you can stay in your office for so long, but when, you, when things begin to kind of pile up on you, you need to get out and go for a walk. So... Whenever a pastor said, I got one, he'd do this and he'd do that, I said, not, not, my doctor said I got to go for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't do that. But, but uh, worry can affect you physically. And the sad thing is, <laughs> the thing that I don't like to confront is I did it to myself. And so, worry, you know, God knows how we function best, and he tells us not uh, to worry. Also, worry worry is illogical, doesn't make sense, it's senseless. There in verses 25 and 26. It says, Therefore I say unto you, in Matthew chapter 6, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better? than thee. 
And so he tells us that if God made us and our bodies are more important than being cool and make sure we have the right kind of shoes and the right clothes and the right status symbols. The more important than that is to understand that God uh, cares for our person. And if he cares for our person, he's going to take care of our needs. And so for me to worry, it's, it's, uh, it's illogical. It's, uh, it doesn't make sense that, that we would think that God would take care of our person, but he doesn't want to take care of our, of our needs. And uh, he goes on here and he says, uh, um, let's see, where does it talk about adding to your height? Um, okay. Oh, one verse seven. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto a stature? And actually, when you study this out, that could be talking about your height, all right. That you want, don't want to be short and dumpy. You want to be tall, dark, and handsome. And I wanted that for seventy-one years and still haven't gotten it. But, but, it, but it also has a meaning here of not just our height, but it has to do with our lifespan. That just by worrying about it, are you going to extend your lifespan? Well, you're not, and it's illogical. And that not only is it illogical, but not being able to extend your lifespan is that uh, worry can do no good. My worrying about it isn't going to do anything. It doesn't really help. In fact, it actually uh, does more harm than it does good. And so, uh, I know I've been dropping papers here, but I don't know which one I dropped. Uh, oh, I, I don't need papers. And so, to make this short and sweet, uh, maybe not sweet, but short, God's prescription for worry. You can turn to it in your Bibles or you can just keep here. But uh, there's really a number of steps here that you need to see. God writes to the Philippians where we started and he says, be careful for nothing. Don't be anxious about one thing. But he gives us something that we can do something that we can, uh, uh, that's not you, is it? <laughs> Usually when my phone goes off, uh, Mr. Thompson is trying to help me out. You little, it is him, the little rat. I bet you he got lots of spankings in grade school. If he didn't, he should have. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. When there's concerns upon our heart, when there's trials that we're going through, 
One of the very first things this little, little prescription tells us is don't be, don't be getting anxious, don't be worrying, but by everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Take it to the Lord. Lay it out before Him. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who upbraideth not. Maybe it's wisdom. Maybe it's provision. But, but uh, an earthly father would want his children to come and say, Dad, I have this need. Well, the Heavenly Father much more wants us to let our requests be made known, to, to take it to the Lord, that we need to pray. We need to bring it to the Lord. And he says, And the peace of God which path all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This is not, this is not just a hope-so thing. This is not just something that is thrown in between verses 6 and verse 8. But this is a promise from God that if we will lay our request out before him, that it can come over us even in the midst of the storm, even when there's waves all around us threatening to go over our head and drive us to the bottom, the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Like Paul said there when he was on the shipwreck and, but, and he made the statement, but the Lord stood by me to, to, to lay our request out and to know that Jesus is there. And then after praying, taking it to the Lord first, then we need to do a little rebooting of our thinking processes. Finally, brethren, what sort of things are true, what sort of things are honest, what sort of things are just, what sort of things are pure, what sort of things are lovely, what sort of things are a good report, if there be any virtue, there be any praise, think on these things. So what happens when I start worrying? Well, I start thinking about things that aren't true. It's just not true. That this, this situation is just not true. And then uh, sometimes I begin to wonder, you know, I'm thinking it's not honest what's been said about me or what I'm saying, you know, that God doesn't care, it's not honest. What sort of things are just? What happens, what sort of things are period? When I start worrying and I'm getting troubled, then it may be with a situation with another person, Instead of thinking pure thoughts, I think how I can blow his car up and how many different ways it can be done. No pure thoughts. Well, sir, things are pure. You guys never think that way. <laughs> well, this comes from rednecks in eastern Oregon, I guess. What sort of things are lovely? What sort of things are good report? If there be any virtue, be any praise, think on these things. And so I'm not going to, I'm going to obey God. I'm going to quit being anxious. I'm not going to have this, this doctor telling me, you know, stress causes all this. I'm going to trust in the Lord. I want this peace in my life that passeth understanding. And I'm now going to think about it. And then maybe the most important of all this little prescription here, those things 
which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. I think if I was a betting man, I would bet you that unemployed people worry more than employed people. Do. Get up, quit worrying, and get up and know what you know to do. Do it. And maybe you need to go get in your prayer closet and pray. You may need to say, hey, this thinking's all stupid I'm doing. And then it says, what a wonderful end to this little prescription. And the God of peace shall be with you. Now let me give you a little story here. In John 12, 21, some of the Greeks came to Philip. The same came therefore to Philip, which was in Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. The story was told by E.L. Bynum, and whether he got it, knew it himself or some other, E.L. Bynum was a was a independent Baptist preacher that wrote a periodical, and and actually he was preached here in years past, and it was during the mission conference of his preaching that uh, my oldest son Caleb was saved. But he talked about this church that was a a fairly large church, and the pastor was a prominent pastor. And the, problem, the pastor was well known for his homiletical ability, homily, this means sermon preparation. He'd have his joke at the first and the three out, you know. I mean, they used to teach you, you got to tell a joke, and then you, to get people's attention, then you have three points of your outline, and Make sure each of each of them started with the same word or the same letter, the all B's or all C's, and and you and they were homiletically. He was he was very much a preacher preacher. He was homiletic homiletical, and he's and he his outlines and his mannerism and his preaching ability in the pulpit was very refined. And one day, he went on vacation, and some men, or at least one or two, in the uh, congregation hired a carpenter who was good at scroll work to put on the pulpit right above where the Bible was set, Sir we would see Jesus. And when he came to the pulpit the next Sunday and looked at that, he saw that and it changed his preaching for the rest of his life. I've given you six little things, you know, why worrying is wrong. But I want you to leave here this afternoon Seeing Jesus, that He's with you in every trial. 
everything that has caused your heart to flutter and worry. He'll stand by you. That all the information I could give you that the Bible says about worry means nothing unless you can get a hold of the fact that he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. May somehow, in all of the turmoil that we're going in and, and are in and what seems to be coming down the pike, let us sing with the hymnal, if Jesus goes with me, I'll go anywhere. It's heaven to me wherever I be if he is there. Let me say to you that he's never moved. He is with you. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. face. And the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Or you can just keep on worrying. That's up to you. <coughs> Sir, we would see Jesus. I hope today when you go home and next week and maybe next year or next month and some curveballs are thrown your way, that what you see first and foremost is that you have a Savior and has not left you. All right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for this afternoon for your word. Easy to speak of, but as I've already mentioned about the stress in my own life. And Lord, uh, teach us to pray. Teach us to rest in you. Lord, teach us to deal with what needs to be done in fulfilling the due of this passage in Philippians. As this group of people go out into the week, some to homeschool, some to work where difficulties and hardships come and we know that you can make them precious, more precious than gold, that the trial of our faith is more precious than gold. But Lord, may we experience what Paul experienced when he said, the Lord stood with me. That it looked like it was going down it looked like the ship was done. But you stood with us. May we experience what Paul said, that we may know you and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of your suffering. May the different things that come into our lives at different times cause us to know you more deeply and more personally, and the desire to cling to you 
more strongly. In Jesus' name, amen.